a network of misinformation experts actively promoting Islamophobia in America. They have a ton of money and they work to create prejudice and discrimination among the general population, which can create a pretty dangerous environment. These people spend multi-millions to cast Islam and Muslims as a major threat. Thanks for joining us on our Psychology and Social Justice podcast. I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. And I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third. This country has so many issues. Yes, it does, Cindy. For example, it was supposedly founded on the belief in freedom, including freedom from religious persecution. A lot of people seem to forget that. That's why today we're discussing Islamophobia. Well, let's start with the definition. Well, it's really simple because basically Islamophobia is anti-Muslim racism. It's fear of Islam and Muslims, and that fear often causes hostility, discrimination, and oppression. Islamophobia takes the culture, the history, the faith, the traditions, and the ethnic diversity of Islam and Muslims and reduces it to negative stereotypes that usually include violence and terrorism and marginalizes Muslims and tries to keep them out of social and political life. Islamophobia is perpetuated by individuals as well as cultural and political systems, just like other forms of racism we've talked about here. Islam is the second largest religion in the world next to Christianity. There are 1.8 billion Muslims worldwide and almost three and a half million Muslims living in the United States which means Muslims make up about 1.1% of the total U.S. population. It's actually a pretty small minority. Even so, today we're going to talk about Islam so that we don't have mistaken ideas about it. It's a small minority that somehow holds a lot of space in our news and in our minds. True. It's important to understand that most Muslims are loyal to the United States and come to adopt American customs and ways of life. They identify with both their faith and their loyalty to the United States, just like people of other religions and cultures. Many Muslims here find ways to be devout and live in our modern society. Again, similar to many other people and religions. Right, although Islam began as a religion in the Middle East and its holiest sites are there, Only about 20% of the world's Muslims live there. Indonesia, Southeast Asia, currently has the largest Muslim population. I did not know that. I didn't either. (laughs) 75% of all United States Muslim adults have lived in this country since before 2000. And they're racially diverse, with about 30% identified as white, 23% as black, 21% as Asian, 6% as Hispanic, and 19% as other or mixed race. How about that? And I bet a lot of people wouldn't have thought that almost a third of the Muslims in this country identify as white. Yeah, I think so too. 
people often get so carried away with Islamophobia that they also end up targeting all men, women, and children of Islamic faith and even carry it over to people they think are similar in some way, like Christian Arabs and Hindu Indians. Well, that's just sloppy. But think about it. It's the second largest religion in the world and people hate all the people who identify as Muslim. Obviously that hatred has no foundation. It's not in reality. Right, Julie, but Islamophobic acts take a lot of forms. They might be physical acts against people perceived to be Muslim or against mosques or Islamic centers. They can also include racial profiling, discrimination in employment, and denial of services, even anti-Islam legislation and policies. Absolutely. And political rhetoric and media representation can influence and um, increase verbal harassment, intimidation, and hate speech. Politicians play on people's emotions and they exploit fear to encourage Islamophobia when it serves political interests. Islamophobia is frequently used to justify foreign policy in Muslim countries. The war in Iraq was presented to us as essentially necessary for freedom and safety. The United States media overemphasizes negative news about Muslims and Islam and leads us to an exaggerated sense of threat, which makes people scared and hateful. One academic study covered by the Washington Post found that domestic attacks conducted by Muslims received on average 449% more media coverage than 88% of attacks committed by others. Wow. Yeah. News that shows Muslims as terrorists creates support for military action in Muslim countries and for unconstitutional policies like not letting Muslim Americans vote or own guns. Government persecution and media coverage brings Muslim American terrorism suspects to national attention and creates the impression that Muslim American terrorism is more prevalent than it really is. Since 9-11, the Muslim American community has helped security and law enforcement officials prevent nearly two out of five of the Al-Qaeda terrorist plots threatening the US and provided tips from the community that are the actual single largest source of information, at least initial information to authorities about those plots. As we all know, within every religion, there's a range of attitudes and behavior and extremism. It's not unique to Muslims. People who commit violent extremist or terrorist acts are a tiny minority within Islam, just like in other religious extremists. The vast majority of Muslims reject violence and consider extremist interpretations a distortion of their religion. According to Pew Research, people in Muslim countries overwhelmingly expressed negative views of ISIS. Islam, like many other religions, includes varied opinions and different ways to understand the traditional holy text that was written very, very long ago and in very different times. Terrorists use radical interpretations of Islam, taking a small number of texts meant to regulate warfare back in their, the day it was written, ages ago, and they try to apply them to current times. In fact, many Muslim politicians and leaders and their citizens condemn 
extremist acts. Thousands of Muslim clerics worldwide passed a fatwa, which is an Islamic legal opinion that was against terrorist organizations like ISIS and Al-Qaeda and requested, they really wanted these terrorist groups not to be branded as Muslim organizations. I can understand that. <laughs> terrorist attacks in the US have been committed by extremists with a wide range of ideological beliefs including the Ku Klux Klan and other white supremacy groups. No one ideology is responsible for terrorism in the U.S., but if I had to guess, most U.S. terrorist attacks are done by whites, Christian whites, not Muslims. That is a fact. Also, a common misperception is that Muslim women are especially oppressed, discriminated against, and hold subservient roles. Well, Unfortunately, women of all races, religions, and nationalities face inequality on so many levels. Muslim women aren't the only ones. The Quran does state that men and women are equal in the eyes of God, instructs Muslims to educate daughters as well as sons, and gives women certain rights in marriage and even in divorce. But interpretation of gender roles varies with different countries and cultures, and there are definitely practices that oppress women such as forced marriage, depriving them of education, restricting their mobility, stuff like that. Yeah, and clearly those are not the things that came out of the Quran. It's just the political views of the cultures now. A lot of women and men reject the limits that are put on women. Similar to other religions, people in positions of power sometimes use religion as an excuse to justify the oppression of women, certainly not just Muslims who do that. And the headscarf is often used as an example of oppression. The Quran directs men and women to dress modestly and how this is interpreted varies. In some countries, women are forced to wear the hijab, the headscarf or burqa, the full body veil, but this isn't the main reason Muslim women wear it, especially in the United States. For many women, choosing their traditional cultural dress offers them a sense of pride in being Muslim, a sense of identity, or even a sense of self-control in public. I think it says something that since 1988, eight countries have had Muslim women as heads of state, including Turkey, Indonesia, Senegal, Kosovo, Kyrgyzstan, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Mauritius. Many Muslim countries, including Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, and Saudi Arabia, have a higher percent of women in national elected office than the United States, which is really surprising. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is violent groups like ISIS target and murder more Muslims than any other people. And we have more than our share of violent white national groups in our country, like I was saying before, and they seem to be growing as we speak, but still, we somehow have this perception that ISIS is a bigger danger. It's true that there's a network of misinformation experts actively promoting Islamophobia in America. They have a ton of money and they work to create prejudice and discrimination among the general population, which can create a pretty dangerous environment. These people spend multi-millions to cast Islam and Muslims as a major threat. Yeah. Negative public opinion, along with fear and discrimination of Muslims, has increased in the U.S. over the past several years. There have been increased reports of bullying, hate mail, death threats, vandalism, 
and shots fired at mosques. So of course, many mosques have had to increase their internal security. Islamophobia existed before the terrorist attack of September 11th, 2001, but recently, over the past five years, it's increased. According to FBI reports, the number of assaults, attacks on mosques, and other hate crimes against Muslims has been higher than at any other time, except immediately after 9-11. Numbers of hate crimes reflect only those crimes that get reported to the police, too, so it's even higher. Remember that the same kind of blanket fear and anger that creates Islamophobia creates anti-Semitism and anti-Black racism. That's right, Cindy. It's prejudice based on little information or false information. Most people don't deserve to be hated and feared. As a matter of fact, there are many Muslims who serve this country. Yes, and many of them, such as Muslim Americans, um, Keith Ellison, who serves as the Minnesota Attorney General, and Andre Carson, who serves as a Democratic Congressman in Indiana. Also about 6,000 Muslim members of the US military. A lot of the bullying and hate mail, death threats are lodged at these people. Mm -hmm. And don't forget our strong Muslim representatives in Congress, representatives Ilhan Omar from Minnesota and Rashida Tlaib from Michigan. They were sworn in on Qurans and they have been subject to horrendous threats. Yeah, really terrible, constant threats. Islamophobia is used as a political tool. When we marginalize groups, we build power for our group. When Trump took power, he immediately began marginalizing Muslims and other minority groups. When he first tried to stop citizens from seven Muslim countries from entering the United States, he used the 9-11 terrorist attacks as a rationale. But you know what? None of those attacks came from people from those seven countries. In fact, a Cato Institute analysis shows that between 1975 and 2015, no one from those countries killed a single American in a U.S. terrorist attack. Trump was just stirring up hate. He was creating propaganda. One thing he may have been a master of. I hate to think he was good at anything, but yeah. He had some people around him who were good at that. That's more likely, yeah. The impact anti-Muslim bias is having on Muslim Americans includes their constant vigilance, along with behavioral, social, and psychological stress, constant. Muslims also are assumed to not be Americans, and it's assumed that they don't belong here. Just like non-white immigrant groups who are often viewed as foreigners, even if they've been here for several generations, or are, you know, completely American. Yeah. And many Muslims could benefit from psychological treatment, given all the constant stress and threat that they often are under. But Muslim Americans face several barriers to treatment, including stigma about mental health and mental health services in the Muslim communities. But also there's a lack of mental health providers who understand their culture, their religion, their needs, Fear of anti-Islam bias can also keep people from reaching out to non-Muslim psychologists. At least one in five Americans actually believe that most Muslims do not want peace and are not accepting of other religions or of people of races other than their own. Why would they believe that? It makes no sense. There's a lot of projection in that, right? Yeah, right. We have the responsibility 
to actively seek to know more about and learn from others of different religious traditions, to treat others of different faiths with respect and to learn about other religions. Most faiths, most religions and most people, you know, make a positive contribution to society. Agreed. Most are not terrorists by far. Prejudice toward Muslim Americans exists among both men and women, young and old, uneducated, educated. Still, there are some differences in prejudice levels within different groups. Men are more likely than women to say they have prejudice toward Muslims. Those who report a great deal of prejudice toward Muslims are more likely than those who report none or smaller levels of prejudice to have completed only a high school level of education. Not surprisingly, Muslim countries also have unfavorable views of America based partly on misinformation provided by their media and government about what the U.S. has done, but also and mostly because of what the U.S. has actually done. The unfavorable views are what can make Americans think Muslim Americans aren't loyal. The perceptions of disloyalty also fuel Islamophobia and add to the belief that Muslims should be feared instead of trusted and not treated fairly. Religion is an important part of the daily lives of a lot of people. People from minority groups enrich our cultural life. There's no reason to think that people with different religious practices threaten our way of life in a country that supposedly, supposedly separates church from state. Yeah, supposedly. A lot of people consider different Muslim practices and relationships threatening. For example, you talked about wearing the hijab, the head covering, that's often seen as a threat to our culture. Many people associate Muslims with terror and say that Muslims are sympathetic to Al Qaeda. It's just a lot of assumptions. And just because you might not be familiar with the hijab or it looks different from what you're used to, it is not a threat. Things that are different are not threats, just saying. <laughs> so, you know, what, what can we do about all this Islamophobic stuff happening? Well, working against Islamophobia needs committed action and resources. So we have to think about, you know, what, what can be done here? Yeah, we really need to consider and treat Muslims fairly, for one thing, in policies that affect them, in protecting their rights, and in accurately portraying them in the media. And we need to work with Muslim communities as equal partners. The media also has some work to do to change the way Muslims are represented. That's true. That would help reduce the hatred. There is very little positive representation of Muslims in television and film and We've searched and seen a little bit. There's one series, I guess it's like a TV show, but it's on Hulu uh, called Rami of Egyptian Americans who are Muslim. And there are some other things, but very little. And you have to really search for it. And certainly in film, there doesn't seem to be much. And it would be really great if that changed because that would help change public opinion. But here are some specific things we can do. Join a local or national group such as CAIR, whose work you can support. Sign up for their email and social media lists and take action when they ask you to. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's important. And it's also important to work on community projects with people of different backgrounds and develop solutions together. Yeah, um, there are groups like Fuse and 
other community level groups where all sorts of religious institutions come together to work on, on uh, important issues together. Our community leaders need to represent different cultural, ethnic, and religious groups and work to change existing policies that really don't work in everyone's best interest. Yeah, I think the bottom line is coming together as much as possible in times of need, regardless of race or religion, and working together. We're one society, we're one people. And I think every time we do that, we all learn more and more that that's true. The more we are with people with different backgrounds, different cultures, different religions, the more we learn to love them and not be afraid. So there's a few websites you can visit with a ton of information and resources for both learning about Muslims and to help Muslims. Um, the Institute of Muslim Mental Health at muslimmentalhealth.com is one. There's also the Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative at muslimarc.org. And the last one we're gonna mention is the Muslim Wellness Foundation at muslimwellness.com. Go learn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening today. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Until next time, Take care.